new beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams podcast. This is Sean Ram alongside Joshua Black. Joshua, how are you? I'm doing good, Sean. Thanks for having me on again. It's always good to uh, be doing these episodes and just want to give a, a shout out before Sean does to all our listeners. <laughs> and uh, we just want to thank you for continuing to support us, uh, to sharing these podcasts with your friends. And, to, and um, we hope as a group uh, that you're learning something and helping your life uh, become more enjoyable. And you know, this is what the podcast is about is to to help people move forward in life because it's a very difficult thing to do on your own. And so hopefully we, we're helping you. I know I'm I always get a benefit out of the people we talk to and I'm loving it. So I can't wait to talk to our next guest and learn a little bit more. We have on today Anna Elizabeth, and she is the five facets founder and creator of the Five Facets Philosophy on Healing, which is a groundbreaking guide that helps us live our best personal, professional, and philanthropic lives, even in the face of adversity. She is a guest lecturer and continuing education instructor. She's a published author, uh, a TEDx community and keynote speaker, personal coach, and a duly certified energy healer and instructor, and a workshop facilitator. Her writings and work have been featured in numerous online magazines, radio programs, and national live events. Anna, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Sean and Joshua. I'm happy to be here. So Anna, it's, uh, I follow you on Facebook, uh, not Facebook, I think I do, but uh, Instagram, and you always have some uh, good posts, so it's nice to actually hear your voice and, and be able to speak to you about your journey. Likewise. Likewise, I enjoy the the different perspectives that you bring, uh, especially the the dream component of that and grief. It's one that so many people don't factor in, and so I love the work that you and Sean and uh, the rest of your team there at Grief Dreams are putting together to sort of create an awareness of that. Thanks. You know, I appreciate, you know, hearing those kind words and yeah, like as you, you've been in the, the field for a while. So it's like, it's one of those topics that it does get left behind, but you know, we're trying to raise the awareness to say it's safe to talk about uh, and, and how to talk about them in an effective way and just really providing space. So I can't wait to hear about your dreams and maybe some of the experiences you've had. So I want to get right into, to it. Where, where are you from? Where are you calling from? Uh, right now, I'm calling you from Central New York on the PA line. Um, I hail originally from Raleigh, North Carolina, um, but I've been here. I've, I've been in New York for a long time. So, <laughs> and is that where you developed the five facets? Is that like is this the 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 place where it all began? It is. Yes, actually. Uh, so the birthplace of the five facets. Uh, you'll be interested to know is also the birthplace of many of Mark Twain's writings. He actually uh, did a number of his uh, pieces from uh, Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. I think it was right here in the town where I live. And he and his family are actually buried in the same cemetery that my son is. Wow, that's interesting. So there's something about that place that uh, makes people become very creative. There, it's got to be an energy. What, what's the energy? What is it? Is it the water? Is it, the, it must be the water. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Elmira, New York, which is the closest large town to where I, I live in a borough, actually. But the, it was originally a location where 
uh, plays, Broadway plays, were initially screened here at Elmira. Now, this is going back many years. That's not the case today. But there's just a, there's just a cool vibe, um, many artistic people here. So I don't know. I don't know if it's in the air or what, but I, I'm happy to have uh, given birth to this work that I do. And we're happy to have you on. So, Anna, walk us through what the five facets philosophy is. So, if you don't mind, I'll just give you a quick backstory first. So, after my son died, there were he died from unexpected complications during delivery, and I remember being in the hospital uh, and thinking I didn't want to spend a lifetime mourning him. I didn't know what that meant, what it looked like on the other side or how I was going to get there. But I knew what I didn't want. And there was one question that drove me. And that was, how is it that some people can go on to live happy, fulfilled lives following tragedy while other people succumb to drugs, despair, a life of void or suicide? And over the next seven years after my son died, I incurred many other losses. I had two miscarriages three more complicated but um, successful pregnancies. I had severe depression and actually thought I was losing my mind and uh, admitted myself to a local behavioral science unit. And then six weeks before my youngest son was born, I discovered that my husband and my best friend were having an affair. So through all of those losses, that question drove me. And when I wrote my memoir, we, if you've ever published a book or written, even written anything that you write, you know you have to edit, 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 edit. And one of those edits, I wrote about that last event, the morning that I discovered the affair between my husband and my best friend, that every piece of hope I'd ever held on to before had just been shredded. My faith in people and dignity, my trust, every spiritual, emotional, physical, social, and uh physical part of me laid in a heap to be tossed out with the garbage. It never made it to the garbage. I recycled it instead. So it was in one of those edits that I saw that and this little voice said, that's, that's your answer. That's the answer to that, that question. And so what I realized is that people who are able to survive extreme tragedies they are tapping into something that they already have. So the five facets are actually the what I call the universal gifts that we're all born with. And that is the academic, emotional, physical, social, and spiritual sides of the self. We're all born with them. You're born with them. I'm born with them. They're the same five facets. It's just that the details look differently. So once I started trying that on, testing that theory out. Uh, I read pretty much exclusively memoir and I talk to people. I started then examining, okay, what do we do with that and how does it work? And what can we do with that? And how can we use that then to propel us to live our best lives no matter what's going on? And from that, I developed and created answering all those questions the Five Facets Philosophy, which is a five-part program that's very involved, but it, take, it takes and it puts everything um, into bite-sized pieces, and it helps each individual person look at where they're at, 
where they want to go, and what different elements mean within each of those five facets, how it relates, and then how they can put their gifts to work for them. That's very interesting, just providing the tools to answer that kind of question that you started out with. Did you have feelings of, you know, why did this happen to me? You know, why is why is this happening to me? Or it seemed like you had a different, slightly different type of look on that. Could you talk us through that? I can. And I did not really have a different look on that. Um, <laughs> I went okay, through okay. all of those. Yeah, I definitely went through all of those those grief questions, why me? Am I being punished? Is there, you know, is there some God that I'm inherently flawed and this is my life? You know, all those cliches that many of us are raised with. It's God's will. It's God's plan. And so I did. Uh, I The spiritual facet for me was actually one of the last pieces that I found resolution in that um, allows me to actually say to you and to our listeners that I honestly can stand before you and say I no longer mourn my son. But it was a long journey, as any grief sort of journey is. Dick Gavin will be 28 years old on May 11th, and he only lived 26 minutes. So I have I've had many years to process all of those more common elements of grief, like why me? Uh, but I, I, I just knew. I just, I knew, as I said in the hospital, what I didn't want. I had seen so many people and talked with so many people who said, "This happened to me when I was 16, and I've never been the same, and I'm miserable, and I don't know what to do about it." And I thought, I don't, I, I don't want that. But I just didn't know. I didn't know what I wanted. In the end, what I realized, uh, what I did want was to be able to celebrate his life. And so that's what I do today. Yeah, and I wanted I wanted to talk uh, or bring that up because I think a lot of people are in that boat where it's kind of, uh, all of this is happening to me. Why is this happening? My life seems to have this kind of repetitive rhythm to it. And I think a lot of people take that passive role in their life. And I think you've laid out some tools for us to kind of take that back and say, no, you can do something. There are, you know, you can take a more active role and, you know, whatever steps that you've gone through. So let's let's get a little more deeper insight into these five facets, uh, if you can tell us more about it. Sure, I would love to. So the, as I said, there they're universal. They're the same for all of us. So we'll start in alphabetical order just because it's easier to make sure that I I get them all there. But with the academic facet, we're all born with a brain. We all have an ability to learn. We have an intellectual capacity to learn. Now we all learn differently and we all know that, right? Some people uh, learn through touching. Some people learn through vision, seeing things. Some people learn through doing. Uh, Some of us have um, an easier time learning. We all learn differently, but we all are born with a brain, yes? Absolutely. So then the emotional facet has to do with our ability to feel. 
to respond to external stimuli in some way. Now, we know we're all emotionally different. We respond differently. We feel differently. Different triggers will resurrect different feelings and emotions within us, but we're all born with an emotional response to external stimuli. So then the physical uh, facet, is it actually has sort of two prongs to it, two legs. Uh, we're born into a physical body and we're born into a physical environment. And again, those details are different. Some of us are born with blonde hair and blue eyes and some with dark brown and, and dark brown eyes and dark brown hair. Some of us are born without arms or legs, but we're all born into a body and we're all born into a physical environment. The social is our interaction. We are all born with an ability to connect in some way to the people and the planet around us. Some of us are more drawn to animals. Some of us are more connected with the earth. Some of us are more connected with other people, but we are all born with the ability to relate to our surroundings, so that that social connection. And then the spiritual facet is our, it's the essence of who we are at our core. Basically, it's that spirit within us that drives our hopes and dreams. For some people, religion, organized religion, can be a major part of their spiritual facet and how they sustain that. But it doesn't have to be. A lot of times people will ask me that question. The spiritual, we are all born with a spiritual facet, whether we're born into a family that uh, participates in organized religion or not. So in a nutshell, those are the five facets and sort of what makes them universal to all of us. Well, that's interesting. It's, it's good to, to hear about what each facet sort of represents. Can you, I'm actually really curious on, I'm guessing each facet has its own issues and complications for each person. Uh, can you talk about, you know, the, the common issues people that you hear that people face in these different categories when it relates to grief? So first, like the academic Sure. So one of one of the things that we do uh, is we compare ourselves to others. And that is sort of universal across all of the five facets. So we'll say somebody has a better education than I do, or they have other family members who are better educated, or they're in the medical field, or they're in the mental health field. And so we always, we tend to come from a place of lack. And when we are grieving, those sort of vulnerabilities then can become heightened. So quite often when the academic facet, there's, there's multiple ways that grief can impact that. Number one, I'm sure you've probably heard of that sort of fog brain. Um, when people, especially they're new in grief, uh, and they have so many things going on. Sometimes it can last for a year or more, depending on the circumstances surrounding 
what is happening, but the brain becomes muddled. People have a hard time remembering things. Uh, sometimes they feel like their thoughts aren't logical. Uh, they have a hard time retaining information. Uh, and sometimes people feel like they're not smart enough to figure something out, which, again, that sort of comes from a lack perspective. But all of those things then contribute to the duration of our grief and how we grieve. With the emotional facet, um, that is, again, you know, there's different ways that that manifests itself for people. Some people shut right down and other people, all they want to do is talk about it. And then people, as you know, experience all of the emotions from anger and resentment and depression and sadness and joy and then guilt for feeling joy. So grief is can be an emotional roller coaster for people and they have a hard time then really understanding like where they're at in the moment. Uh, the physical facet is um, when people are grieving, it oftentimes people will manifest physical symptoms because of the stress. They can't eat, they have stomach aches, they have headaches, they have muscle tension, people lose weight, some people gain weight, which all of those, of course, create their own um, situations with that. And as far as the environment, the, that, that sort of component of that physical facet, so often people's um, environments change in loss. If it's a death, they sometimes if they're a caretaker, they lose their their role. If it's a sibling or spouse, they lose those connections and some of those uh, uh, independent, um, the stability and the the support, they lose those elements. Um, The social facet, oftentimes people find that their connection to people, their relationships change. Oftentimes they will lose friends and gain others, and that is also creates all sorts of emotional sort of issues and concerns and worry and stress and that mental stuff, one of the which I'll come back to the spiritual facet, but that's one of the things with the five facets is it's not linear. They're sort of all interconnected, even though they stand alone. They are, there's overlap in many of these areas, as is with life in general. Uh, but then the spiritual facet is often impacted by grief because, one, people, depending on the type of loss, they don't know who they are anymore. They don't know where they're going. If there's grief, quite often there is that feeling of void and despondency where passion is diminished and people just don't want to, don't want to or don't know how to move forward and they kind of get stuck there. And then also they tend to, many of us will then question our our divine, the divinity or our gods, whatever that looks like to us, the universe, whatever language our listeners or you will use, then we question the role of that in our lives. And finding resolution in those individual conflicts, what it means to each individual person is um, the the underlying 
focus of the five facets is not for me to tell each individual person what they need, but to help them unlock and discover what they need for themselves. That's amazing that you you really focus and, and looked at these different facets that people deal with uh, after loss. And so I'm curious to know when you you so you developed this you know from your own experiences. So what was the feeling like when it actually worked or helped someone else? You know, because it's one thing that like for it to help ourselves, but for it to then connect with someone else and and for them to actually say, oh, this is actually making sense. Like, what was that like for you? Um, <laughs> so honestly, mind-blowing um, and humbling and elated. I mean, there was, there was a whole host of experiences. Um, initially, this work began uh, because my focus is on healing, and I'm actually coining the phrase healing specialist. We have grief specialists, people who focus on how we grieve, but we don't have people who focus on how we heal and what that means. So that has been my, for the last 15 years, that has been my sole focus. So initially, as I was speaking about this and talking around the country, it was from that place of how we heal. And I avoided the grief industry because my belief is that without grief, there would be no need for healing. And so one of the components is the five steps of healing of components of this program. And the first of the five steps is to choose grief. Well, about two years ago, I someone reached out to me and asked me if I would um, consider applying to speak at his conference, and it was the Navigating Grief Conference in Albany, New York. And so I wrote back, this is what I do. This is my focus. Here's my website. If this seems to be in alignment with what you're looking for, for your conference, I will be um, happy to apply. And he wrote back, this is, this is just what I'm looking for. And it was really at that conference when I was addressing a packed room of people who were grieving um, that I realized that my message can be received as hope. And so now I have split the, the, the company has evolved, the five facets has evolved. What I do is I actually support people in active grief. I have tools and strategies that I teach them how to help them help themselves when they're in crisis or conflict and active grief. But then I also have the beyond bereavement pieces when people start saying, there's got to be something more. There's got to be something different. I don't want, I don't want to keep feeling this way. I want to feel better. And that's where then I pick up the, the original work in the beyond bereavement area. How do we take people beyond? But it really was at that workshop, guys, that when I had a woman come up to me and said, I have been trying for two years. I've been feeling like I'm drowning. And your your talk today is the first time that I've had hope. And it just, uh, it made all the blood, sweat, and tears worth it and i realized that yes i'm 
I am in the right place and um, I can help people who are actively grieving and beyond. Yeah, it's amazing when you get that feedback and it can really give you the motivation you need because, you know, like it, it is, there's a lot of work and, you know, even like making this podcast and stuff and doing the research uh, that I'm doing, it's just, there's so much work that like people just don't know. And it's kind of amazing for you to get those moments where people appreciate what you've done and that it actually provides hope because if it didn't, you know, like you probably did something wrong, you know, like because <laughs> without, you need hope to heal. So um, I think overall, I think it's amazing. You got that and you're on a mission now to help people in their lives as they move forward. And what a beautiful meaning that provides your own loss as you move forward. I'm really actually really curious. So before this, so before you got into this, what did you do prior? Uh, I'm kind of a Jill of all trades. I've always worked in education in some form or another. I've always uh, so it's no surprise that I'm teaching and doing this now. I mean, in high school, I was a PEPI student, which stood for Physical Education Pupil Instructor. And I went into schools with gym teachers um, and high school students, and we taught the younger elementary students phys ed. So um, I've worked in office management uh, for years. My husband and I have a small farm in central New York. We actually, that was a full-time job for years, and then we lost our store. We had a 7,500-square-foot store that we lost to a fire in April of 2000. Wow, it's been, so this month, or next next month, um, it'll be 18 years. Uh, I did a lot of teaching about agriculture uh, while we had that business, and um, so and then I, since then, I kind of have worked in the education field in, in different capacities. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my background. I've always been working with people. I For a few years, I was a computer programmer and installer. I would go into, uh, but again, it was teaching. I would go in to companies, figure out what their needs were, hotels, restaurants, bars, set up a, a full um, integrated computer system for them and then create training documentation for their staff and then I would train management and staff on how to use the system. Wow, it's interesting. So like your whole life has been about, you know, educating others in some way or fashion. That farm thing was kind of cool. I think uh that's its own experience <laughs> being on a farm and and having having the work that way because it's a lot different than educating, you know, uh people. I guess you have to educate the animals and what you want to do, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> in your own Yeah, so we actually did, we didn't have an animal farm. We had an orchard. We, mm. ha- we have apple trees. Anna, listening to what you're talking about, your story, your journey, obviously, you know, you're someone who's uh, kind of got that entrepreneur spirit, you know, and another thing that you could tell right away based off not just what you're doing, but how you're speaking is you have a big picture mentality. Um, another thing that that's curious for me is what what was it that kept you, I guess, moving forward? That kept you changing jobs? Like what what was it? Was it a a fulfillment thing? Like did you? Because what you're doing now, what I'm looking at, 
in terms of the five facets and your philosophies and your work with grief and loss, it's got a really high, uh, you would think of fulfillment level, you know, really high value, really high type of um, interest, interest, intrinsic, I can't say that word, <laughs> internal <laughs> reward system. Um, so my question is, you know, what is it? What, what kept you doing that? Uh, so the, um, the five facets actually exist in a hierarchy for all of us. And the, um, at, the, at the top of that hierarchy is the one facet that really, really drives our success and our suffering. So when we are feeling successful, that element, that facet is in the mix and sort of at the forefront. And when we are suffering, either from grief or conflict, which I believe, I have this theory that hasn't been debunked yet, but all conflict actually stems from grief, um, whether it's past or something very subtle, but that facet is also in the mix. So it will come as no surprise that at the top of my hierarchy is the social facet. <laughs> and. I have always been in all of these things that I've done. It's been about the education pieces is connecting with people, connecting people to the earth around them, connecting people to themselves, connecting people to their their jobs, helping them to do that. Um, as far as the transitions that I made in the jobs, that really was just a matter of necessity. Uh, one job ended and then another door opened. And so I just sort of followed the leads and that sort of gut instinct that, you know, so many of us have, whether or not we follow it is a different story. But it just, when I needed something, um, I just followed whatever whatever opportunities were based on the needs that I had. So I... I can't say that it was calculated other than um, this five facets work. As I said, it, it's been in the development stages for a very long time, um, almost 20 years. I had young children at home. I was raising a family when this concept first came to me. Uh, so I would put it on the back burner for a while. And then when I would have some time, I would start going back through my ideas books and um, I actually, uh, this is going to sort of tie into your your dream stuff that you do, but my son actually, I believe, is partnering with me from the other side to help do this work. I, I really do believe um, in things that I've learned in the last few years about connecting with the spirit world uh, that that he and I partnered, we came to do this work. We came to do this healing um, and to help heal worlds of hurt on this planet. And for him to, as part of um, his part in this role, to help me from the other side. Because many of these components would just come to me literally out of the blue. And I would I would just get these random, like, hitting me upside the head kind of thoughts. I'm like, oh, that's a, great, that's a great thing for this, and that really makes sense. And I would jot it down, and then I would come back to it, and I would follow it and ask more questions. 
And for a while, I have to be honest, and it's kind of funny, but I, I, after years of this, I thought, wow, I'm so smart, like to figure all this out. And one day I had a, a critical piece of the part that came to me and I was sitting at my desk and I went, this is not coming from me. This is coming through me. And that was, that was a very humbling experience to realize that this is something more powerful than me. And what I, what I like to say is I'm just really a messenger. I'm a messenger and I'm bringing hope and healing that the spirit world wants for us here on this planet. Absolutely. And just, you know, from hearing you speak and listening to how you describe the five facets and the philosophy, I think is an important thing for people to kind of bring into their lives. You know, it, it's a lot to unwrap. Um, you know, there's so there's obviously five facets and, and those drill down even further. Um, so we're going to, because of time, we're going to move on to uh, some other uh, some other things to talk about, but I wanted to leave the listeners with one statement, and that is, if you had to de- describe to someone in one sentence or get them to, I guess, buy into your system, if you will, what would you tell that person? I would tell that person that they were born with everything that they need to heal their conflicts and griefs, big and small. And they just have to learn to understand what their gifts are and how to make them work for them. Yeah, that's you hit it on the head. I think that's a very critical thing is that I think when people feel like they don't have something, then, you know, they're missing out or they've lost, some, you know, an ability or they don't have the tools that they needed to kind of find that happiness or find those answers that you know, they need to move on. And we all have that within ourselves, I think. But And I think your system, your philosophies will help guide that individual um, into understanding themselves more and understanding what they need to heal themselves. Um, so moving forward, um, let's talk about a little bit grief in your life that you've experienced. Yeah. So yeah. So the question is, have you experienced? We know you you talked about sort of your the son and the miscarriages. So were those your first losses in the sense of death, or were there ones prior to that? My first real significant loss was the death of my son, and it actually was the first time that I had had anyone close to me die, and that was um, that was just kind of an eye-opener. Prior to that, I didn't realize that I was actually terrified of death. I I never knew that, but the reason I can say that is um, I had a the job that I was working at the time. We had a new co-worker that had been there a very short period of time, didn't really know him. He'd been there less than a month, but his mother died, and they were having... Uh, calling hours and my boss said we were going to go and I'm like I at that time I was really young and I thought I and I'm not going to go I don't know her I don't know him and that well and I can pay my respects to him here and he's like no you're going well when I went I remember seeing people draped over the cough this is this is how in my mind at the time 
I described it, people were draped over the coffin and kissing a dead body. And for me, it was one of the most terrifying things I had ever experienced. And I actually, I had to leave because I felt like I was just going to explode in tears. And I went outside and I hid behind a huge tree and just bawled. And I didn't understand it. And that's when I realized that I was terrified of death. Uh, But when my son died, all of that was very natural. And I, I understood in that moment how people could and would want to touch the physical body of a person in death. It just is, was natural. Um, so that was the first significant loss. And then, of course, in the loss of our business to a fire, I mean, that's, that brings with it a whole a whole host of losses, you know, feeling of are you going to be able to financial security, your home, your children's welfare, your own welfare, how are you going to provide um, the miscarriages, of course, are a different form of child loss, but they still bring grief, depression. Yeah, could I, uh, I want to speak about the miscarriages. So after your son passed away, how old uh, was he? So he only lived 26 minutes. There, he was, there were complications during delivery, and he was not able to survive then. So my husband and I never saw him alive. Oh, wow. They did an emergency C-section and immediately um, whisked him away to try to tend to him. And then the first miscarriages, or first miscarriages was in the beginning of the second trimester. Uh, that was right after Gavin, and then I had a uh, my oldest living son after that, and then my next pregnancy also ended in the beginning of the second trimester. Oh wow! So there's uh, there's life and loss in the sense of um, giving birth. So did you? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really curious. I have a ton of questions, um, but the one when it comes to lost your child, the, the first child. Um, did you name it? Like, did you have, like, were you expecting anything to go wrong or was it like just a shock that something happened, uh, at that moment? Uh, yeah, it was a complete shock to everybody. I had what was, what you would call a picture perfect pregnancy. I never had any morning sickness, nothing. I worked right up until the day I delivered. Um, it just was one of those fall, flawless pregnancies. And actually, that was the only one that was flawless. The rest of them, there's a whole host of uh, complications, which is a whole other grief in, in and of itself. That's a discussion for another time. But um, so we did name him. He was full term. His name is Gavin Michael. Um, and I always, I you know, I try to say when someone dies, we say their name was. But I think it's important to say their name is because they they still are. Their memories are alive in us. Their physical body might not be here, but their spirits are still with us. We carry them in our hearts. And so his name is Gavin Michael. Wow, that's a good point, right? Um, and then when it goes to your miscarriages, did you ever name uh, those children? No, I did not. Mm-hmm. What's what's the, the difference when you name? Because 
I'm just curious, what's um, the difference well, when you name a child and when you don't? Like, is there like a point where you just feel that it's there's a name? Uh, I really, I think it's a personal preference. I do know women who have given names to their children. Um, my pregnancies were so early that we didn't we didn't know if they were male or female. Um, and I, other than other than the lack of menstruation and knowing that I was pregnant, I really hadn't manifested any physical symptoms or showing. So I didn't feel the I didn't feel the child. I didn't feel movement. I didn't I I didn't feel any of that. But I I do know in the work that I do, I know women who have and really I think it's for most people but not all, most people that I have encountered, the uh, naming the child really comes into play when the, the, the pregnancy is far enough along that they're able to determine the sex and there are some connections there. But really and truthfully for our listeners, it's a matter of personal preference. Um, and if if somebody wants and and feels moved to name a child, regardless of when the pregnancy happens or the loss of the pregnancy happens, then I encourage them to do that. And so you're saying that you never got to see Gavin. Did you see him after he died? We did, yes. We we had a full burial for him. Um, and so we we do have a few pictures of us with him at the funeral home, and my nurses uh, were were quick thinking enough that they took back in that day there were there were Polaroid cameras, <laughs> but uh, they took two pictures of him for us. Uh, so we have we do have those, and I I. And everyone is different, but I myself was very grateful to have that time with him before we buried him. Yeah, that's something that um, relatively recently opened up my eyes to, and that's the grief that is associated with a miscarriage. And, um, you know, it's, it just, you know, it's very, what's the word, you know, it's, I just, it's amazing to me that I didn't really, it doesn't, it didn't register. And I don't know if that's, you know, because I'm a guy or is it's just society in general. But, um, you know, thank you for talking about that and, and the work that you're doing with, uh, you know, individuals and women who've had these miscarriages. Um, have you had any dreams of Gavin or any other um, loved ones that have passed away? I have. Uh, so my first, I, I am an intuitive and I do connect with the spirit world now and most often I connect uh, when I'm doing my energy healing the universe sort of knows that my boundaries are I will connect with spirit uh, if they can give me messages that will help my client release um, energies attached to mind body thought sort of Um, so but before I realized that I had the gifts of connecting to the other side. Gavin would have been about two, I think. And one night I had a dream that felt real. And for years, 
I I believed in my heart that he had his spirit had actually come to me. So I really questioned, is it real or was I just making it up uh, in my grief? But his his comment to me was, again, the depression, I was quite often going to bed and just asking God to end my life because I, I, in one prayer I said, you, I know you don't give us more than we can handle and you know I can't take any more, but I can't commit suicide. I had had suicidal attempts, and it was that night that Gavin came to me, and uh, he said, "Mommy, I'm fine. You need to stay there." And he was in he was in a white shorts outfit that was uh, like a baptism, you know, white silk outfit with a vest, and and said, "Mommy, I'm fine. You need to stay there. My siblings need you." And that Powerful. that wow. really yeah that was that was it, before he had siblings right that was before he had um, siblings he had one brother i believe oh, he had a brother because okay. i'm trying you know it, it all runs together uh i believe his oldest living brother was born um was a ba- was a, a young child then because he was born a uh to see, Gavin was born on May 11th of 90, and my oldest living was on November 3rd of 91. So they were very, very close together. Um, but there was there was a sibling, and um, so I just, I you know, I held on to that. I just really held on to that, and then now and so when, I when you just go, when you're saying you held on to that. So what does that mean? So did you like just remember that dream and tell others and it gave you comfort in times of sorrow? I did share it with a few people, but for more for me, I, as I said, I believed in my heart. I just, something was telling me in my heart and I was listening to that, that that was real. You know, believe it, trust in it. And so it just, you know, it, of course, it, nothing ended overnight, but I, I carried that. It, it was a symbolism of hope for me to keep going. And, and now I do believe that that was his first visit. So when it when it comes to Gavin, have you had any more of the dreams of Gavin or was just the one and then that was it? So it was just the one dream. But now... Now, when I see him, I do occasionally see him in my waking hours. So he, you know, I think sometimes when we're asleep, um, our our subconscious is more heightened and elevated. And for many of us, we're as as I've come to understand this, this uh, I, you can possibly. Uh, talk to it more given your field of expertise but the spirit world then um, is able to connect with us more from that that subconscious area when our logical brain isn't saying no it's not real I'm imagining it we're we're not discounting it Um, so for many of us that is when when the the spirit world if they're going to be able to connect with us um, they can and will during during those sleep times. But now I I know that he's 
he's not always around because he has, you know, like all spirit energies, I mean, they have work that they're doing on the other side. But I, I know when he's, I, I know when he's around. So I think for him, it's not, it's no longer necessary for him to come to me in my sleep, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's interesting, like the different theories we have on why we don't get dreams, right? As you said, it could be because they're not coming or you're just not remembering them. You don't need to remember them as you once did uh, in the beginning. Right. So it's it's very interesting. I said, I don't know until we can really like figure out, like actually see what we're dreaming. We don't really know exactly what we're remembering versus not remembering. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's very, I'm just glad that you, know, you had that one dream it was comforting. And you didn't really need one, doesn't seem, to make the changes you needed to in your life and to help people. So I think that's it's pretty cool. I'm glad uh, Gavin gave you that experience. And so uh, our last question that we always ask our guests, and you probably already know this, but uh, what dream would you want to have of Gavin uh, tonight, if you could? Oh, what dream would I want to have of Gavin tonight? Hmm. Oh, wow. Um... Hmm. Uh, if I were to have a dream with him tonight, I would, I would say I would want to be where we are in five years with this work. Hmm. So I would, I would want to be. Um, I see myself in within the next five years. I see myself actually packing a stadium and sharing this message with thousands of people at a time. So if I were to have a, a dream with him tonight, that's where I would want to be. I would I would want to be on on that on that stage with him knowing that he's there and the two of us um giving hope to all those people. Oh that that's cool. So he's not in the audience watching. He's actually on stage with you. Yeah. Oh, that's very yeah. cool. I like that. And so how old would Gavin be? Because uh, would it be his age in five years or would it be him as, you know, two, three? Oh, how would I? Um, so actually, when I see him now, he's in his mid-20s. Hmm. Um, and he really hasn't aged beyond that. I've been, I've been seeing him now for about uh, seven years. Um, so connecting with him in my waking hours, um, the experiences that I've had. So he's in his he's in his mid twenties, and he's kind of stayed there. So I think that's probably where he's you know where he's going to be. That's um, cool. And and but, so what do you what do you see him wearing? Like so, you guys uh, are on stage. What is he wearing? He's wearing like a robe. He's wearing like I, I don't you know what do angels no, wear? I, I, I see him in in street clothes, jeans <laughs> and a shirt. <laughs> yeah, really, like, just... really laid back. I like this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's uh, he 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 does have a very sort of laid back sort of personality, which he's got to have if he's going to partner with me. Because for years I was um, I used to say. My husband is very laid back, and so I used to joke that when he needs somebody to give him a kick in the rear end to get going, I was there to do it. But when I needed somebody to bring me out of the chandeliers, he was there to do it. So, you know, Gavin kind of in this work has taught me to be, you know, a little mellower and to go with the flow a little more. But I still have that 
I still have that spunk drive. Uh, so yeah, yeah. He's, well, you know he's what? Kind and of chill. The way I see it is the casual. It it's more aligned with the realness of it. Like it kind of like sometimes it's the simple thoughts or the simple things that kind of are are more real and more valuable. You know, and we've had guests, we've had a guest on in the past who, you know, was talking about a dream they would want to have with their, uh, or I think, oh no, it was a dream, it was a grief dream that they had had about their son who had passed away and their son just appeared in, you know, jeans, rocker t-shirt and, you know, just how uh, she had kind of remembered him. So, um, you know, we just want to thank you again for that memory, that uh, dream that you shared with us and, you know want to honor that memory as well and you know the memory of gavin and we really um really uh appreciate sharing that with us uh want to appreciate all the other work that you do in your life anna it's very important and uh again you know having these conversations having people like you to kind of walk through um troubles or struggles that people have uh, so they can get more clarity out their life is is important and it's we really appreciate that um so could you give us a some of the platforms that you're on or where people can find you oh thank you yes and i just want to say in closing too thank you for the work that you do i honestly i say some of the times the biggest reason that we're not able to move forward is because we don't know what questions to ask because we don't know what's out there. And so people like you and your team that that create awareness and bring guests on, they let a broader audience know, have a bigger picture of what is out there so that they can ask questions to help them move forward. So thank you for that. As far as the platforms I'm on, um, I, I'm Instagram, the five facets of healing on facebook it's uh anna elizabeth heal grief or the five facets of healing i'm on twitter the five facets linkedin i do have a youtube uh channel that i've just started so any listeners that are looking for inspirational videos i'm working on building that platform and appreciate all those uh likes and subscribes there so i can get that rocking uh, but my website, where you can find everything, sort of, um, is the five facets of healing.com, and it's all spelled out. So um, amazing. Uh, so, yeah, listeners, if you have a chance, you know, take five minutes, take some time out of your day, and, you know, re- take a look and, and Google uh, research. Uh, the five facets and then visitor website and you know facebook page and this is something that you know take some time out for you learn more about what's going on in your life and how you can resolve these struggles um you know we we look up everything else in our lives we're looking up you know 10 ways to lose weight uh you know five ways to make money off ebay uh, i think you could take some time out to learn about the five facets of philosophy what do you think i like that <laughs> okay um <laughs> So for our platform, uh, you can check us out at griefdreams.ca for more information on the topic. If you have Facebook, you can join our group. Um, It's a Grief Dreams Facebook group. We're also on iTunes, uh, Podbean, Stitcher uh, is where you can find the podcast. Uh, Lots of other podcasting platforms. Um, And we have a Instagram account, which is at Grief Dreams, as well as Twitter. If you're interested in being on the podcast, please contact us for more information. 
And we like to end our podcast with love and gratitude from us to you. Introduce myself. You have introduced yourself. This is a very good conversation.